0: Constance.
1: And I'm Lucinda.
0: And together in our Kids Law Podcast, we're going to take a look at how laws affect children as we
1: grow up. So what are we going to look at in this episode, Alma Constance?
0: Well, we've heard about MPs making laws in the House of Commons in Parliament, and I'd like to know why there is a House of Lords too, and what part they play in creating laws.
1: The Houses of Parliament by the River Thames in Westminster, London, has two large halls or chambers. One is the House of Commons, where the members of Parliament, the MPs, gather to discuss and vote for new laws. The MPs sit on green benches. The other is the House of Lords, whose members, sometimes referred to as peers, sit on red benches. The House of Lords has its origins in the 11th century and then developed during medieval times as a royal council made up from members of the church and noblemen. By chance, we're recording this episode the day after Bonfire Night, which remembers the occasion on which Guy Fawkes and several others planned to blow up King James I in the House of Lords on 5th of November, 1605. Let's talk to David Anderson QC. Baron Anderson of Ipswich, Knight of the British Empire, Barrister and Life Peer, who is a member of the House of Lords. He was the Independent Reviewer of Terrorism Legislation in the United Kingdom between 2011 and 2017, and was a member of the EU Justice and Security Committee. David,
0: welcome to our Kids Law podcast. We are so pleased to have you here. Can you please tell us more about the work of the House of Lords and how it fits in with the House of Commons in making laws?
2: Well, thank you very much for having me, first of all. There are, as you say, two Houses of Parliament, and the really important one is the House of Commons. And the reason that one is important is because members of the House of Commons, members of Parliament, are elected. People vote for them. And in some countries, There is only one House in their Parliament, and it makes all the laws. But members of the House of Commons have a lot of things to do. They have constituencies, they have people to look after in all parts of the country where they have to spend a lot of their time. Um, They don't always have the opportunity to focus very carefully on the laws that they're debating and looking at. Uh, And they're also, some of them, quite young. Of course, it's good to be young, but when you get older, sometimes you learn things that you didn't know when you were young. So the House of Lords is there as well uh, to help the House of Commons produce better laws. That means when a law has been debated in the House of Commons, uh, they decide what they want it to say. And then they pass it on to us really to ask for our advice and say, do we agree uh, that it's a good law or do we think it could be improved? And I'm afraid usually we think the law could be improved. It's not necessarily that we think that the House of Commons are wrong exactly, but we might think, well, actually, you haven't thought very carefully about this. Or if you knew what we know about this particular topic, you might want to change the way you've put it. So what we normally do is come back with suggestions for the House of Commons. And it's up to the House of Commons whether they accept those suggestions or not. Usually, actually, they do. But if they don't, it goes back to us and we have the chance to decide whether this is important enough for us to make the suggestion again and say, that we really think we're right about this. Are you quite sure? And this can go go on for quite a while. We actually call it ping pong because we bat the law to and fro across the table between the two uh, houses of parliament. At the end of the day, if we disagree, we always let the House of Commons win. And that's because people vote for them. They are elected. I mean, one way of um, thinking of it, that it's like a family Because, of course, laws are really rules. And I suppose in most families, there are rules as well. It might be when the child has to go to bed or who the child's allowed to go and play with. And normally it might be your mum or dad who would make those rules and decide what they should be. But sometimes the mum or dad uh, might say, well, I need some advice. And maybe they go to a grandparent, perhaps somebody a bit older who'd done it before. And they might say, do you think this is the right way to do it? Now, the House of Commons are like the parents. They are really in charge. But we're like the grandparents. We're a bit older in some ways. Sometimes we're a little bit wiser and we certainly have more time. So our role really is to give advice and to improve the quality of the laws uh, that Parliament passes.
0: What do the committees of the House of Lords do? And can you give us an example?
2: Well, that's the other thing we do. Apart from debating laws, draft laws, we call them bills, we also have our own committees and they look at things in real detail. So, for instance, uh, we've got coming up a huge bill on online safety. And the point of that bill is to keep children safe from all the stuff they might find online and to keep other people safe and to make sure people can say what they want as long as it doesn't amount to abuse or um, bullying or anything of that kind. It's a really difficult subject because no one's really tried to do this before. No one's tried to uh, decide what can and can't be said online. So because the subject is so complicated, we have a committee. It's actually a joint committee of the House of Lords and the House of Commons And the point of that committee is to look at the draft law, look at the bill in real detail, talk to lots and lots of people who have experience. So they talk to people from TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and all the people who run Internet platforms, but they also talk to charities perhaps look out for people who are vulnerable or talk to people who have children's interests at heart. I hope if they're sensible, they'll talk to children as well. They certainly should do, because a lot of children know a lot more about the internet than a lot of members of the House of Lords. And they will then make a recommendation, they'll make a report, and they'll say, we quite like this draft bill. But there are 30 things that we think are wrong with it. And when this comes to be debated in Parliament, we suggest that you focus on those. So committees give us a useful way uh, of focusing our attention on things that really matter. And they bring into play the expertise, not just of the members of the House of Lords and other members of Parliament, uh, but also the experts who give evidence to the committees.
0: I know MPs are elected by members of the public living in their constituency. Why, and how do people become members of the House of Lords?
2: Well, we are not elected. Some of us in the House of Lords are members of political parties, but many of us are not. We call ourselves crossbenchers, and it's not because we get particularly cross, although sometimes we do get cross. Uh, We're called crossbenchers because we sit between the main political parties and we're completely independent. The way I was appointed as a crossbencher was by applying. I wrote to the House of Lords and said, I would like to be a lord. And if I'd been a lady, I would have said, I would like to be a baroness. And here is what I've done. And here are six people who think I would be a good lord. And my application was then considered by a committee of lords and other people Well, they had to choose between lots of good people who applied. I think probably what I knew about that they thought was useful, I knew quite a lot about uh, terrorism and terrorists and how we fight terrorists in this country, how we spy on them and how we disrupt them and how we stop them hurting people and what are the best sort of laws to have in place to do those jobs because that was something I'd worked on for six or seven years before I applied to the House of Lords. I used to advise the government on terrorism. I used to advise Parliament on terrorism. And I think they thought this person knows something that we could find quite useful. I was called for an interview, very strange interview. And then about a year later, I was told, yes, you have been successful and you are now a lord.
0: Why was your interview to become a Lord Strange?
2: Well, one of the lords hadn't said anything And then he suddenly piped up and said, well, you seem to have done quite a lot, he said, but how can I put it? Do you have a dog? And I said, yes. And then he said, what sort? So I said, a Border Terrier. And he went, humph. And then he was quiet again, and he didn't say anything else for the rest of the interview. And then about six weeks later, very sadly, he died, not the Border Terrier, but the Lord. And I always wondered whether his opinion of me had been part of the selection process because I don't think he approved of my choice of dog uh, or whether it wasn't. Now, that's not the only way to be appointed. Some people are appointed because they are members of political parties. For instance, you might have been a very distinguished politician, a member of the government. And when you retire from being an MP, the prime minister thinks, well, it would be a shame if this person's expertise was lost. So why don't we put them in the House of Lords? And they can carry on commenting on draft laws as they come through. Or it might be the leader of the opposition who nominates people. They're also very keen to get in people from lots of different backgrounds. So, for example, I don't know if you've heard of the Stephen Lawrence case. It was a horrible story. And they ended up investigating the police response. And this boy's mum, Doreen Lawrence, pushed the police for answers and got some changes through. And she turned out to be a wonderful campaigner. So they put Doreen Lawrence in the House of Lords, and she's now a very influential uh, person there. She's a very good example of somebody who isn't a politician, wouldn't have been appointed for political reasons, but could still really add usefully to the work of Parliament. should say there are some people as well who are there for very different reasons. They're there because, if you can believe it, their fathers were lords, and their grandfathers were lords, and their great-grandfathers were lords. These are what we call the hereditary peers. They are only there because they are already a duke or an earl or a viscount or or something like that. Not all of them are members of the House of Lords, but some of them are. And the hereditary peers themselves choose which of their number are suitable to sit in the House of Lords. It's a very odd system, and I wouldn't myself defend it, although a lot of these hereditary peers are actually rather good. But they are there really for historical reasons. It's how the House of Lords always used to be for hundreds of years. And about 90 of our members are still appointed in that rather uh, curious way. The other odd thing is that we have 23 bishops of the Church of England. We do have some other religious leaders, but not very many. Uh, And again, there are historical reasons for that. Not everybody thinks it's a great idea. And someday, I suspect, we will see... Some change to the House of Lords, and that may be one of the things that changes. But again, some of them do useful work, and they also say a prayer every day before we begin our work. And they pray uh, for God to make us wise and sensible and polite to each other. And that sometimes works, but not always.
0: Can you explain the way that the House of Lords and House of Commons work together to create laws?
2: Yes, we do work together, but not at the same time. So one of us will start by looking at a bill, at a, a draft law. And when we've finished with it, we will pass it to the other. It's usually the Commons that starts by looking at the law. The government proposes a law. The Commons looks at it. They sometimes make some changes, uh, but usually they don't change it very much. Then they pass it on to us, and we start looking at it much more carefully. We, we take much longer to look at it. For example, at the moment, we have a law going through about the police and courts and crime and how much people should be sentenced for committing crime. And uh, we shall look at that probably for a total of about 12 days, whereas the Commons might have debated it for for perhaps three or four days at the most. So we have more time to think about it. And we also have people in the House of Lords who, for example, have been very senior um, police officers or like me, they sit sometimes as a judge. So they might have particular knowledge that doesn't exist to the same extent in the Commons. So we come up with ideas that we think are rather good ideas, uh, and we then send the bill back to the Commons and say, look, we've made your bill better. Most of the time, actually, the Commons accepts our changes or something like our changes. Sometimes it sends them back saying, no, no, we don't like this one. We were right first time. We want to do it our way.
0: If the House of Lords disagree or reject laws, what happens then?
2: This is happening at the moment in a bill called the Environment Bill, which we've been considering for about two years. It's a huge bill which will regulate how we give ourselves cleaner air, cleaner water, how we uh, preserve lots of different sorts of animal and insect and birds and fish in our land and our skies and our water. And it's very controversial. The Commons doesn't always agree with the Lords, for example, The Commons said that it's okay for water companies to carry on pumping sewage into our rivers. And we in the Lords said, well, we appreciate people can't just stop doing it tomorrow, but we want to make it uh, tougher on the water companies so that it's more difficult for them to pump sewage into rivers, and it's more expensive for them if they insist on doing that. So that's the sort of issue that we might disagree on. And actually, on this one, the government and the House of Commons is listening to the House of Lords. And when the bill goes back to the House of Commons, which it will do very, very shortly, we expect that they're going to accept what we're saying about it, and they're going to make life tougher for people who want to pump sewage into rivers. So that's just one example. There might be other changes that we make that the Commons simply won't accept. And although we might send it to and fro once or twice, if the Lords simply doesn't agree with the Commons, then we always let the Commons win because they are elected by the people and we are simply appointed. And in a democracy, the people who are elected should always win.
0: Can members of the House of Lords introduce new laws? How does that work? And have you been involved in creating a new law?
2: Most uh, new laws are introduced by the government. It's quite difficult for a member of Parliament in the House of Commons or a member of the House of Lords to introduce a new law. But it does sometimes happen. And in fact we had one very recently where a baroness wants to introduce a law that would allow what she calls assisted dying and that would be for people who are very near the end of their lives and the doctors have told them you've only got a few weeks or a few months to live Uh, and the person might be in terrible pain and they might want to be able to die in a way that they choose with their family around their bedside Now, that's very controversial. A lot of people think you really shouldn't do that. You shouldn't allow uh, doctors to to help people kill themselves. And other people think, yes, if it was me, I'd really like someone to be able to help me. So we had a very good debate about that. You can read it if you Google Hansard House of Lords, and then Google the subject you're interested in, you can always find uh, our debates. And in fact, you can also watch them all on Parliament Live TV, which which is on the internet. So that would be an example of a law that was introduced by a member of the House of Lords. Now, it, it, it isn't law yet, but it started a debate in Parliament. It started a debate in the country, in the newspapers, on the radio, on the television. And it may be that at some future date, the government decides it wants to do something about that. It may not. That's up to the government. What we do much more is if the government introduces a law and we decide it could be changed. So it might include something else. So for instance, when I joined the House of Lords three years ago, the very first bill I debated was about ivory, because there are unfortunately poachers who kill elephants, and there are unscrupulous people who buy the ivory and make a lot of money by selling them. And that encourages the poachers to kill more elephants, which is why elephant populations are in trouble in Africa. So we wanted to pass this bill that the government gave us to make it a criminal offence to sell ivory objects. But then as the bill was going through, people started saying, well, other creatures have tusks as well. Like, what about narwhals? You know, they're, they're sort of whale-like creatures with very long tusks that you get in the Arctic. Shouldn't we be making it a criminal offence to sell their tusks as well? And somebody else said, so what about mammoths? because you're always digging up mammoths in the north of Russia and they've got great big tusks. And the trouble is if, if you're allowed to sell mammoth ivory and you're not allowed to sell elephant ivory, then any unscrupulous person who wanted to sell elephant ivory only needed to say, oh no, it's okay, it comes from a mammoth, so I'm allowed to sell it. So that's the sort of thing uh, that we debate. We weren't exactly proposing a new law, but we were proposing extending the existing law that the government presented us with. And quite often those extensions to the law do go through. And yes, I have myself been involved in a few extensions, like new criminal offences and uh, additions to laws that were really designed to deal with something a bit different.
0: I read that the Queen always has to sign off laws that are made. Why is that? And does she always have to agree with them?
2: We are still a monarchy. So we are ruled, in theory, by the Queen. And... Uh, the body that makes laws is the Queen in Parliament. That is the House of Commons, the House of Lords and the Queen together. And in fact, we have a throne. If you ever come into the House of Lords, you will see that we have this most magnificent throne at the end of our chamber. We're all allowed to sit at the the base of the throne, but no one is allowed to sit in the throne except the Queen. And she comes once a year to read out the government's uh, proposals for the laws that it wants passed over the next year. And she also, as you rightly say, has to sign the laws before they become law. In reality, she doesn't have any influence. She always signs the laws. So it's a historical part of our constitution. In reality, we're just like a country like France or Germany or Italy that doesn't have a queen and where the laws are made by the parliament. But one of the more colourful aspects of our constitution and one of the things that reminds people of how long our democracy has lasted and how long our history is, uh, is that the Queen still has that involvement and, and she still signs the laws. Why are words
0: like lords still in use today? I thought they were only for fairy tales and I never imagined that they would be involved in making laws. Why do we have these titles?
2: I rather agree with you, Alma. I think it is. A little bit ridiculous. All I would say is that nobody takes it very seriously. They're historical titles. They're a reminder of the origins of the House of Lords in the Middle Ages. We are given or allowed to apply for coats of arms when we join the House of Lords. We can associate ourselves with a particular place. So, for example, I'm Lord Anderson of Ipswich, because that's where where I live and where my wife is from and where my daughters were born. And it's a colourful feature of our constitution, but it is no more necessary than the fact that we wear bright red gowns once a year. It doesn't have any real importance. It's uh, what somebody once called a dignified part of our constitution, not an efficient part of our constitution.
0: Are there any lords that are eccentric?
2: Well, some of us are a bit eccentric. Some of us have slightly strange habits. I met a, an old lord the other day who is also a zoologist, very distinguished zoologist. and He did a lot of work in places like Borneo and his particular interest was bats. And he liked bats so much that he carried a bat around with him in his pocket everywhere he went. And he was telling me that he was in the House of Lords uh, and he was introduced to another lord who was also interested in in animals. And the first lord said, well, I'm particularly fond of bats, he said, and he got the bat out of his pocket to show him. And the other lord said, well, that's a strange coincidence. He says, I always keep a Himalayan bat under my armpit. He reached inside the jacket of his suit and he produced his own bat. So two lords who knew so much about bats that they actually carried them around. So all sorts of strange knowledge can come in useful in strange ways. Most of us are not particularly eccentric,
0: can you tell us more about your work as a lawyer and how do you think it has helped you as a member of the House of Lords? Not
2: that many members of the House of Lords are lawyers. And I think, and it's probably an unpopular view, that we need more lawyers in the House of Lords because our job is, after all, scrutinising laws. And I think it helps when you are looking at laws and deciding whether they are going to be good laws to know something in practice about how laws are applied. And if you spent your life in the law courts, trying to explain laws to judges or to juries, then you do pick up quite a good feeling for uh, how laws are applied in practice. What makes a good law? What makes a bad law? A lot of our work is quite technical because we're arguing what a particular word means or if the comma ought to be in a different place, uh, because that might change the meaning of what you're looking at. Uh, And these things are important. And lawyers are actually quite good at that sort of thing because it's how we spend our lives. So I'm very glad that we're not all lawyers in the House of Lords, but I think it's really useful to have some of us.
0: Do you think the voices of children are heard in Parliament, and in particular the House of Lords? How can you be influenced by what we think?
2: I think the most frequent mentions of children we hear in the House of Lords, and they are quite frequent, they're people talking about their grandchildren. So I would say the first thing you could do as a child is make your views known to your parents and to your grandparents, because there are a lot of things that children actually do know a lot about. For example, I mentioned that we're looking at a bill that's going to deal with things like bullying and fat shaming and being nasty to children and making them look at websites they really shouldn't look at. Now, Grandparents, some of them are quite good at the internet, but I'm afraid some of them aren't very good at the internet, and they might not really understand uh, the difference between you know, Instagram and TikTok, and they might not know quite um, how to manage these platforms, and the voice of a child is, is very important. But of course, you have influence if you want it outside the family as well. I mean, some schools have little parliaments of their own where you can practice debating things and perhaps standing for election and taking votes on things. And there are campaigns you could do outside school. In fact, I would say, don't know if you agree, Arma, but I would say that probably the most influential campaigner in the world over the last five years on anything has been a child. Do you know who I'm thinking of?
0: Greta Thunberg?
2: Yes, I agree with you. I I can't think of anybody in the last five years. I think she's just 18 now, but she was only about 15 when she started. Now, she started her campaign by refusing to go to school and leading a lot of other Swedish children on school strikes. And it would not be responsible of me to suggest to you, Alma, that that is how you should behave. But nonetheless, it was a very effective way for her of getting her voice across. And it does show uh, that children do have the ability to get their voice across in the public space.
0: I have a question I ask all of our guests. What were you like at ten, and what did you imagine you would go on to be as an adult?
2: I had just moved from Scotland to England. I was very interested in soldiers and making and model aeroplanes and collecting stamps and collecting coins, and that I got very keen on playing cricket. And I didn't give the slightest thought to what I wanted to do when I when I grew up. And I think that would be my suggestion to other children of that sort of age. Don't let anyone tell you you need to think about what your job is going to be. Much more important to find something you really enjoy doing. doesn't matter what it is. Uh, And you'll find if you're enthusiastic about one thing, it becomes... much easier when you grow up to get enthusiastic about other things take your time there's lots of time to make these decisions
0: thank you so much david for helping us understand the work of the house of lords and its role in making new laws do you have any final advice for children who want to understand more about how laws are made or be involved in an area that improves the way that laws are made.
2: If you would like to order a real life lord or baroness to come to your school, either in real life or virtually, then Google learn with the lords and they are now accepting bookings for 2022. I went into two schools yesterday and I really enjoyed it and I hope they did too. If you can't wait for that and you want to see our debates, Parliament Live TV is the place to look. You can find it easily on the internet. Or if you want to read our debates, go to Hansard online, House of Lords, and you'll find debates on all the subjects that we discuss. Or you could also come and see us. We have school trips and we'd be very happy to see you anytime you want to come.
1: Well, Alma, what do you think about what David Anderson told us? Well... It is the
0: House of Commons that is the most important chamber, as it has elected members, but the House of Lords has more time to consider the detail of draft laws and often makes amendments and extensions to the bills. There is a lot of tradition and history attached to the House of Lords, and David had a funny story about two lords who had pet bats that they kept.
1: In these podcasts, we've been exploring about how laws work and affect young people. All of these things help children understand their rights and responsibilities so that they can make informed decisions, not only about their lives, but also about voting for MPs who make the laws and understanding how the legal justice system works, or even if they want to work in the law. And we would be really happy to hear about whether your school has a parliament. It's also important that children know they should be kept safe and that adults must care for them. Remember, if you have any worries, Talk to an adult you trust and tell them how you feel. And this includes your teachers at school who are there to look after you too. So tell them that you need to talk to them. You can find out more information on our Kids Law Info website. Keep your questions
0: coming in. Please subscribe, rate and share the podcast with your friends. See you soon in the next episode. Bye. Bye.